kneel before Zod. You can't go. All the plants are gonna die. I'm gonna take a bath. Bad dates. I'll alert the media. Boys, keep off the moors. It's evil. Don't touch it. The name's Pliskin. No more hangers. Welcome to a very special vintage video Patreon pick, where our patrons at the $100 tier are invited to request any pre-80s title they'd like for a custom review from the vintage video team. Overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today, Carlos Moda has asked us to review The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, released December 23rd, 1958. It was written by Ken Kolb, based on a story by Ray Harryhausen, based on another story, written by much older people, directed by Nathan Jurin, and released by Columbia Pictures. The character of Sinbad comes from later versions of the 1001 Nights collection of Golden Age Arabic folk tales, missing from the 14th century manuscript, but present in the 18th and 19th century versions of the collection, in concert with the growing popularity of sea exploration by sailors of the Arab and Muslim world. Though Sinbad the character is described as being an active sailor between the 780s through the early 800s. Countless editions of the 1001 Nights stories have been published over the centuries, and even many a la carte versions of the Sinbad stories by themselves, usually broken into seven distinct voyages, with the seventh representing the last adventure of the hero. Reading through the voyages in brief today, they all sound pretty much the same. Sinbad, or someone he loves, is put in peril, he thwarts the threat, and returns to Baghdad with a shipload of priceless jewels. Though it bears no further resemblance to the events of this film, the seventh voyage is by far the most interesting story, because it involves an entire settlement who turn into birds once a month, until heaven breathes fire and roasts all the bird people, at which point Sinbad is sold into slavery, and eventually rescued by the king of the elephants. The story of this film actually has more in common with pieces of the third and fifth voyages. The stories have also been adapted into many animated versions over the years, including an Ub Iwerks short, a Popeye short from Fleischer Studios, and a DreamWorks animated film starring the voice of Brad Pitt as the titular hero. Tonight's film is not a sequel, but was preceded in telling the Sinbad story by live-action titles Arabian Nights, Sinbad the Sailor, and Son of Sinbad. This film is actually the first of a trilogy from Columbia, followed by The Golden Voyage of Sinbad and Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, which starred John Philip Law and John Wayne's son Patrick Wayne in the titular role respectively. All three films feature the fruits of Ray Harryhausen's incredible dynamation process, and all three are produced by Charles Schneer, who we last saw reteaming with Harryhausen earlier this season for the last time on Clash of the Titans. So what... What is dynamation? Dynamation refers to a process <laughs> that combines stop motion and rear projected techniques to insert animated characters seamlessly into a live action scene, and this was the first time to utilize the process in color. So, we're still we're still just shooting regular stop motion, but then when the in front of a rear projected picture of live action footage. So the live action is coming first, being filmed first. Correct. And the stop animation motion is done in front of it. Okay, so it's not the other way around where you film stop motion and you project it running while you film the live action. Correct. Okay, got it. Harryhausen's work on this film reportedly took 11 months to complete, which makes sense because it involves several different creatures animated on various scales to perform against the live action characters. We start with intricate paintings of the adventure we're about to watch unfold. Sinbad rides in a boat with a magician and a princess and makes landfall on a distant island. They return to the island sometime later to retrieve the shell of a rock egg. A genie is summoned from a lamp in a desert. A title on screen credits the film's special effects to a process developed by Ray Harryhausen himself. In Dynamation, the new miracle of the screen, Kerwin Matthews as Sinbad pilots an old wooden ship through foggy water at night. Uh, during these opening credits, like the, the theme and score play yeah. up over it. And I was just like, man, this is immediately the, well, this is Bernard Herrmann. Oh, like, yes. Yeah, it's yeah. like this is a very boisterous score, and it's just like, which, was, which surprised me that Bernard Herrmann had done it, but, uh, but it was unmistakable. He calls to his second-in-command, Harufa, for a depth sounding. 
This process basically involves lowering a weight on a line into the water to check the topography of the ocean floor. Harufa seems confused by the request since they're so far out to sea, but any reading here might indicate an island nearby. The weight only drops seven fathoms before reaching the bottom, and they prepare to make landfall. As they continue moving, the reading is now five fathoms, and Sinbad spots land off the port bow. He has the eyes of an owl. I see nothing. Look! There! They drop anchor and wait till morning to go ashore in search of supplies. Some of his men seem to suspect monsters might inhabit the island. Sinbad moves below decks to speak with the princess on board, but her handmaiden runs interference. Sinbad tells her they go ashore tomorrow to resupply, but a week from then, they'll be wed in Baghdad. Exploring the island the next day, the sailors discover cloven hoof prints in the sand. Okay, alright, I have a little bit of a problem with this. <laughs> that it's leaving footprints like this in sand? Well, yeah, I mean, that's not really the problem that I have. The problem that I have is that they identify it as a cloven hoof print when it's like bigger than they are like i don't look at random impressions in the ground that are you know like 10 feet across and be like that's a footprint (laughs) (laughs) you might though if you were used to monster islands maybe but also the this thing's stride isn't as wide as indicated by how far apart these footprints are he's not running at full speed like a gazelle when we see the cyclops spoiler alert these are cyclops prints They follow the enormous shapes to a blocky sculpture of a human face with an enormous cave serving as the mouth. Sinbad's men are terrified and suggest returning to the ship, but Sinbad grabs a spear and heads into the cave alone. Before he can even get inside, a magician named Sakura comes running out of it with a magical lamp under one arm. He is followed out of the cave by an enormous cyclops, one of Harryhausen's most majestic creatures, and it really looks magnificent. I love the frame rate that it's moving at. It looks great the way it's interacting with the characters and and it's very pretty while sinbad and his men fight with the cyclops sakura the magician summons a genie from his lamp from the land beyond beyond from the world past hope and fear i bid you genie now appear a young boy in a genie outfit materializes from a cloud of blue smoke He asks the boy to construct a wall between the sailors and the cyclops, and the kid turns into a floating blue flame and erects a translucent, impenetrable barrier to give Sinbad and his men time to escape. Sakura is explaining to Sinbad how the genie can protect but not attack, just as the cyclops realizes that he can throw rocks at the escaping men. Yeah, it's like, why didn't he protect us from this? Yeah. When a boulder lands in the water beside them, Sakura drops the lamp overboard, and the barrier holding back the Cyclops dissipates, I guess because he doesn't have the lamp, so he doesn't retain yeah. the powers of the lamp. As Sakura, Sinbad, and the men climb back onto the ship, the Cyclops recovers the lamp from the water to bring back to his cave of treasures, or wonders, if you will. It's a lot of Aladdin in this movie. Yeah. Sakura tries to bribe Sinbad with jewels to return to the island for the lamp, but Sinbad insists the journey is too dangerous. Why did we come here in the first place? <laughs> Uh, when, uh, when they first get back on the ship, Sakura's trying to convince them immediately to go back for the lamp, and he shout, the way he's shouting the word lamp over and over again, I was like, he sounds exactly like Murloc oh, from- Oh, I thought you were going to say the- Brick Tamlin. <laughs> he sounds like Murloc from the DuckTales movie, played by Christopher Lloyd, who's also a magician who's obsessed with finding the lamp. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, this is a weird parallel in that I feel like the character of Murloc was modeled after this guy. Well, yeah, because the the DuckTales Treasure of the Lost Lamp movie came out before Aladdin also. So both of those movies, I think, were inspirations on what came after, too. Are you just looking at things on the Monster Island and saying you like them? (laughs) I love lamp. I love lamp. Okay, Sakura. We get it. Sinbad also worries that the Cyclops could use the lamp against them, but since the species have not mastered language, they cannot wield it against anyone. In fact, the genie requires a specific set of magic words to appear that only Sakura knows. Sinbad insists they must return to Baghdad, and Sakura thinks he'll change his mind when they get there. This is also, like, they found Sakura here on the island. Yeah. So just saying, I want to go home is reason enough for them to, like, turn around and leave him there. He's not asking for everyone to go back. He just wants to go get the lamp. Swim. Sinbad and the princess Parisa are carried in a litter to peace talks between the nations led by each of their fathers. Or I get is the, is the... 
the sultan huh. her, her father is not here yet her father is the sultan of chandra and is the caliph is that sinbad's father yeah well, he, well, well, because he, he says yeah. like he's like a son to me or something at one point. And I was yeah. like, oh, he's not actually your son. Yeah, he he is the sultan of this land, and he he reveres Sinbad to be his son. Okay, so he's shooting blanks, is what he's saying, and he just picked a guy to be like, you're my kid, and he killed that kid's parents. <laughs> you're mine now. <laughs> <laughs> Their wedding here in Baghdad will double as a sort of peace treaty between the nations. Alone together, Sinbad reminds Princess Parisa that the magician will likely keep pushing to return to the island of Colossa to get his lamp back. I pity him, for I have my one wish. Sakura is hired as a magician entertainer for the party joining the nations. As a payment for this appearance, Sakura requests a ship and crew to return to the island. He has designed an enormous crossbow and assures the man that the Cyclops is nothing to worry about. Sinbad advises the Caliph against accepting the offer, and Sakura still agrees to perform at the feast for no payment, I guess. Yeah. It's like, you're going to come anyway, and we're not going to give you the thing you asked for. For his performance that night, Sakura has recruited Sadi, the princess's handmaiden, as a magician's assistant. She's placed into an enormous clay pot, and then an angry cobra is dropped into the pot with her. It's a serpent. Papa, she will be killed. Allah have mercy on them. Both. Oh, Papa. The word both is saved as though it's a punchline, but he already said them. Yeah. <laughs> which clearly refers to both people, or person and snake. As a third ingredient, Sakura dumps in a handful of powder and green smoke rises from the pot. He breaks it open with an axe, and the first part of the magic trick is that the pot breaks into four even pieces and then just fades away <laughs> to reveal a snakeified version of Sadi with four arms and a snake tail and blue skin. We see the monster dance a bit, and also a few inserts of the actress playing Saudi with her skin painted blue in extreme close-ups so that you can't see the rest I'm of like, her. Literally, the whole top half of her is like still human. I mean, Except she, yeah. she has four arms. She has a couple extra arms, but honestly, that doesn't seem like it's that hard to yeah, fake. They're way too so tight on I'm her like, face. I'm like, why? Are, we don't even see her neck. We're like just looking at her eyes. Yeah, her chin <laughs> is basically out of frame. It's way too close. Yeah, the... um. I don't know if they were going for this. I feel like it had to be an intentional choice, but the dancing here, um, the arms move like snakes. They they look like there yeah. is not yeah. a bone in these arms. Yeah. Uh, or or if there are or a lot of there's a lot of bones in these yeah. arms. But <laughs> apparently, yeah, there's so many bones that they articulate really well. She she dances like like Squidward dances. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we know that. Apparently, Harryhausen like literally went to Lebanon to watch belly dancing to instruct how he would animate this character really? too. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I mean, I probably think... the torso more than the arms. Yeah, but, but I mean that that type of dancing does have the illusion of like fluid limbs and stuff. Like, so right. I'm sure he was trying to recreate that, but honestly, it just feels more like a mistake. Yeah, it looks like Gumby arms, kind yeah. of. Suddenly, the snake tail, which still seems controlled by a separate entity, reaches up to choke the human head. Sakura seasons her with another fistful of magic powder, and Sadi is human again. And presumably, there's also a snake on the floor here somewhere. <laughs> but everyone tends to the woman as she comes out of the trance with a look of ecstasy on her face. Allegedly, the armature for this character was cannibalized into the Medusa figure that we saw earlier this season in Clash of the Titans. That makes sense. The Caliph congratulates Sakura on an incredible performance, but again refuses his request to send a ship to Colossa. The Caliph and Sultan together beg of Sakura that he tell them the future of the peace between their nations. In his prediction, Sakura sees the city of Baghdad destroyed by war between Baghdad and Chandra. Well, he says that he sees. Right. Not even the wedding goes according to plan, and we can see this part of the prediction annoys Sinbad in particular. And the wedding rejoicing shall be turned to mourning. Sinbad throws the fortune teller to the floor. Sakura says that he can magically reset the future to one they would prefer in exchange for the same demand over again. <laughs> Caliph sees through the apparent scheming and orders the man out of their palace. That night while the princess sleeps, the magician sneaks past her sleeping quarters to oversee a candle placed in the room as it begins to smoke with another green cloud and then we watch the princess shrink in her covers. The next morning, Saadi comes screaming through the courtyard, reporting on the princess and her unfortunate transformation. She's crying so hard that she can't explain what happened, 
and Sinbad finds her standing six inches tall on her pillow. No, it cannot be so. It is. The world has grown very large overnight. It's true. Amazing that all these people find her like this, and presume immediately that evil magic is at work, but none of them think to blame the evil magician they pissed off last yeah. night. <laughs> right? Sinbad chases him down as he leaves town, and Sakura claims that he can change the princess to her normal size, but he'll need, surprise, surprise, ingredients from the island of Colossa. We lack the most vital ingredient, a piece of shell from the egg of a giant bird called the rock. A monstrous bird that nests on the peaks of Colossa. The same. We, we've got rocks here. <laughs> it's like, first of all, we'd never been to Colossa. We didn't know what was there before we got there. Why do I know that there's birds there called rock? Do you guys recall the last time we discussed a character using the egg of a rock bird to achieve unlimited wishes? We did? We talked yeah. about this? Nope. Bustin' loose. Uh, what? What? That is a rock egg. That's for you. It's magic. It's made by the rock bird. You mean I can rub on it and make three wishes? You can make as many wishes as you wish. Was that an intentional reference to this film? <laughs> I don't know. What are the chances that they'd be talking about a rock bird laying a rock egg and that you can use it to make wishes? Sinbad is not the least suspicious about the coincidence of needing to go back to the island. Sakura also makes it clear that he can only mix the potion in his personal laboratory on the island, so the princess will need to come with them. Can't you just make it there and then bring it back here? It's got a short shelf life. Yeah. I guess. I, so does she. I don't understand. Like <laughs> She's short. Oh. And she lives on a shelf. Short shelf life. And she's alive. What I don't understand is Sakura to begin with. He has the... When, when they find him... He already has the land. He already has the he's land. He's on the island. He's on the island. All he has to do is wish for the... Cy Literally anything. Yeah. Wish me away from... Wish me back to my castle lab. Yeah. Or, or you know, like, make me king of all the world. Like, I mean... He could have wished for anything, but instead he just says, I'm going to go with these guys off the island, which is where I don't want to go. Right. I feel like there's more limitations than it than the genie just can't harm Well, he can't people. make anyone fall in love. <laughs> he can't kill people. He can't bring people back from the dead. But it's not a pretty like, picture. I don't like doing it. It, it feels like in, the, in this movie, the genie has pretty limited powers. Like, I don't know what his powers are. It seems like they're only limited by his own ego and the fact that he doesn't like to hurt but people. But I feel like some of these solutions are a little half-assed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I think it's kind of like in Bedazzled when he makes the first wish and he, and he wishes for a cheeseburger and she she makes him drive to a fast food place and makes him pay for the cheeseburger. He's like, well, you didn't give that to me. I just paid for that myself. And it's like, you need to be more specific with your wish. You need to ask for a cheeseburger for free right now in your hand, not for a cheeseburger, because I got you a cheeseburger by telling you to come here and pay for it. Yeah. Sinbad decides to pull a Putin and recruits the doomed crew for the mission from Baghdad's prison yard. And they're all like, won't we die on Colossa? And he's like, you'll fucking die here. <laughs> you well, want to rot in a prison or die with a full belly in the mouth of a cyclops? Well, and it's like a, a, like a labor prison. And he says, basically, first of all, I like how he makes the announcements. He's like, hear me. Hey, listen! Come here, <laughs> get over here. <laughs> but then he says, like, you're just like, if you basically he says, if you don't go with me, I'm gonna hang you. Yeah. <laughs> Sinbad needs five and twenty men, but it looks like twice that many rush to volunteer. Sakura's crossbow takes up most of the ship's hold, so the arrow has to be tied to the mast on deck. I thought that would play a part in something. Yeah. I was really hoping later that someone would be impaled on it when they fell out of the crow's nest, but that didn't happen. On the way back to the island, the felons on board plan a mutiny, and Sakura overhears it. Below deck, Sinbad releases the princess from her bedazzled cheese grater of a carrying case. Sakura notifies Sinbad of the crew's mutinous mutterings, but Sinbad assures him that with no access to the weapons, they are safe. But up on deck, the men knock Harufa out within minutes. They're already knocking at Sinbad's door now. It's like, they have fists. Yeah. Like, no, I put the weapons away, so 60 guys that we took out of prison today are no risk to us. 60 guys who have been laboring and building up yeah. their, their They've been breaking rocks for decades. I'm sure they're weak as shit. He tucks the princess away before one of the felons bursts into the room to fight him. Sinbad takes on several sailors, one at a time, 
and then rushes out onto the deck and starts fighting the lot of them simultaneously. He ends up climbing the mast and fighting a man on a crossbeam. A few guys are kicked to death, either down off the mast or out into the water, and I hope he brought spares for this adventure, because <laughs> they seem to need a specific number of people. Also, they all have swords. Yeah. Idiots! We've all got swords! <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was coming. Yeah, I know. But, but, but that's never explained why. Yeah. Sinbad probably could have taken them all on, but he surrenders to the men when he sees one of them has a knife to Sakura's throat. The ringleader of this now-pirate gang asks his co-conspirators what they should do with Sinbad and the magician. What shall we do with them? You hear the verdict. You die at dawn. Dawn? It's like 4 p.m. right now. Just get this over with, Kyle. <laughs> do you guys remember the last time we saw a deckload of pirates handing out death sentences? The island? The island. Yes. I'll say you for this prisoner. Guilty. For this prisoner? Guilty. Is this prisoner guilty? All guilty. As they're led back below deck, Sakura declares a curse to the pirates that they will all be driven insane for what they've done, and they'll be begging for help by morning. The new captain orders a change in course, but Sakura assures his fellow prisoners that the men will lose control of the ship when sirens lure them to rocky shores. The prisoners all fill their ears with waxed cloth bits to block out the torturous sounds. And to be clear, when you say prisoners, you mean Sinbad and right. Sakura. Right, the not, new prisoners. Not, they traded not the places. previous prisoners yeah. that mutinied. <laughs> yeah. So does he have magic? No. Yes. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> 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 Which is why we've reached such a consensus. I, One of us isn't sure, and the other two are sure of opposite answers. Well, okay. I question it because this moment where, like, he's clearly just taking advantage of knowledge that he already has. Mm -hmm. He has sufficiently advanced technology. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I, I guess, it de what, what do you define as magic? Like, do you would you consider creating potions magic, or does well, magic have to be depends like depends on what they do? I mean, yeah, like a, a potion that can make a person grow from small to large is that magic? Yeah, I mean, she does. She grows small. There's a there's our lizard woman who's fairly yeah. convincing. Later, we get a skeleton. I think that the animated. shrinking the woman was accomplished by utilizing humidity <laughs> in her room. Okay, so I think we're leaning towards he does have magic, Probably. but in this moment he's he's not using magic. He's just saying, "I know that this is going to happen, but I'm going to say it as if it were a prophecy." Right, yeah. because I, then they'll come to me when they need help. He he's more of a an alchemist. Yes. So he needs he needs a lab. He needs to prepare. Like he can he can perform amazing feats. Yeah, because the dude needs a genie, so he clearly yeah. doesn't have. Undefined right. magic here. Phenomenal cosmic power. Itty bitty living space. Sure enough, the crew is driven mad by the sound, and only Sinbad, Sakura, and somehow the pirate captain seem <laughs> capable of tolerating the noise. Yeah, I, I don't understand how the pirate captain was perfectly fine. Yeah, he was just like wandering around slapping everybody else like, come on, get back to work. Why are you guys all freaking out? Maybe he's deaf. One of the pirates surrenders to the noise and races below decks to release their prisoners to save the ship. The pirate leader falls from the crow's nest to die on the deck just as Sinbad wrestles control of a ship from a shrieking pirate. But this is where I wanted the guy to fall off and then land on the top of the arrow. Right. But that didn't happen. Maybe they intended to do that and it didn't look right or something. I don't know. Sakura advises they take a narrow channel to miss the rocks and we dissolve to the mouth of the Cyclops cave the following morning. Like we skipped a lot of stuff here. Yeah. Because they weren't even headed towards this island anymore, but I guess they redirected the ship and got back on course. Yeah, yeah. we skipped the parts where the pirates agree to be their crew again. Yeah. Like... Like they turned it all around. Yeah. Everyone should be in the same cell downstairs, except for these three people. Sakura points the path to the nesting place of the rock bird and suggests traveling in two parties in case one is captured to allow for a potential rescue. Sinbad leads one group and Sakura leads another. Harufa travels alone at first. Sakura's men cross a red river and he suggests they stop here for the night, but he advises against drinking the river water because it is poisoned, he says. That's all he says, is that it's poisoned. Sinbad finds an enormous spiked club and cages with human skeletons inside. Harufa joins up with Team Sinbad, but Sinbad's men have disappeared suddenly. So are we to assume that 
the people died in the cages or that the Cyclops ate them down to their bones and then, and then put, put the, the bones, bones back, back together, in the cages? Like Artie. <laughs> Isn't that how he ate chicken on Pete and Pete? I think it was Inspector 34 on Pete and Pete. Oh, okay. Harufa finds Sinbad's men in a chamber full of treasures, and Sinbad has to fight them out of the room back to the task at hand. But the skirmish is interrupted when the Cyclops rips the roof off the chamber and plucks a few men from the room to tuck them into the wooden cage beside it. I guess he took everybody, right? Yeah. The whole Sinbad party gets put in this tiny cage. He then carries the cage away and puts Harufa on a rotisserie. (laughs) He's just like, all right, and heat this guy up. Sakura's men, left alone, thirsty at the poisoned river, eventually give it a taste and determine it to be a fine wine. How long would you have to be left with poison before you started drinking it? feel like I would not drink this. But is it poison? No, it's not. It's just wine. But why did he tell them it was poison? Because he didn't want them to drink it. Or maybe because he did want them to drink it. But he should have just said, With the oh, reverse it's... psychology? Uh, yeah. Poison? You're like, yeah. oh, that sounds delicious. Maybe because he was like, these guys are not going to do what I say, and I want them to be out of the picture so I can go get the lamp by myself. So I'll tell them it's poison and leave them here to either dehydrate and die yeah. or drink this and get drunk and killed by a monster. Well, it's like uh, James Bond in Quantum of Solace when he leaves the guy out in the middle of the desert with a gives him a can of oil. It's like, I bet you make it 20 miles before you consider drinking that. Huh. Uh, and then when they find his body later, it's like he had, he had oil in his stomach. <laughs> Ugh, gross. <laughs> There's lines worth remembering in Quantum of Solace, people. I like Are Quantum of Solace. Are you as shocked as I am? <laughs> I thought Quantum of Solace was fine. Yeah. Sakura finds Sinbad and his men trapped in the cage, but refuses to open it. Sinbad takes this moment to reveal to the men the shrunken princess. He asks her to climb on top of the cage and attempt to undo the latch holding them inside. I I like that. Now he's like, listen, you guys, don't tell anybody what I'm about to show you. Guys who I've I've had to fight two times in as many days. Yeah. Trustworthy. He asks her to climb on top of the cage and attempt to undo the latch holding them inside. Sakura searches the treasure room for the lamp and finds it, just as the princess manages to unwedge the lock. Sinbad violently throws open the hatch. <laughs> I, really, I really wanted there to be a little... <laughs> he just tosses her through the air. Oh my god. Just smashes into the rock and next It's like, to dude, just wait a second and let yeah. her climb down the side before you throw open the top of this thing. Oh man, I, I, my note on that is so big. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> but luckily she wasn't standing on the part he whipped open full speed. Sakura's men are now stinking drunk back at the river. Sinbad unties Harufa or starts to at the spit and the Cyclops returns to check on his meal. But he's not turning it. Yeah. It's going to get What's burned the point? on one side. Yeah. There's nothing I hate more than a, a burnt harufa. I don't know. Crispy harufa is a delicacy in some places. No, I mean like when I eat a hot pizza and I burnt harufa in my mouth. <laughs> one of the men hurls a spear into the Cyclops' back, and in running away, Sakura manages to drop again the magic lamp, which he claims to care so much for. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every time any other character gets the lamp, they immediately like buckle it onto their belt and secure it in place. But every time Sakura gets it, he's like juggling it around and seeing how many times he can flip it before he catches it again. It's like, just fucking hold on to the thing. It's magic. Or the moment you got it. Make do, a wish. Make a wish. Sit down and make a goddamn wish. Get John Cena in here to hang out with you for a minute. Because he does the Make-A-Wish Foundation. We wouldn't know he was there, though. Yeah, he's invisible. What are you talking about? John Cena does Make-A-Wish Foundation stuff. He He's made more wishes than anyone else. And he's invisible? He's invisible. He's magic. He's invisible. There, there's a running gag of the internet is that John Cena meme. is invisible. Oh, okay. I, I think it had, it was something that he did when he wrestled. Yeah, he used to do this thing like the, like, like now you see me, now you don't kind of stuff. Oh. The Cyclops chases the felons out into a clearing and starts smashing them with the uprooted trunk of a tree. Sinbad and Sakura hide in a small crevice, but Sakura pushes Sinbad out, demanding he go collect the lamp again. (laughs) Sinbad manages to smuggle it back into the crevice, and the Cyclops leans in to look for them, when Sinbad jabs him in the eye with a lit torch. He returns to Harufa one last time to finally actually untie the man, and then leads the Cyclops to the face of a cliff, and then tricks him into falling over the ledge. Sakura warns that more Cyclops are sure to be incoming. The magician leads the men through a narrow mountain pass. I don't know why we're not using the lamp that we have. Yeah. We have a magic lamp, a kid that can grant infinite wishes. There's, yeah, there's no No one ever limit. says the number three yeah. in this movie. 
you get infinite wishes from this kid. The only thing is you got to deal with his whole like passive aggressive. I don't know if I can do that. And then he does the thing for you. I don't know. That's passive aggressive. It's more, more lack of confidence, low self esteem. <laughs> Cause he starts his steam. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of men fall from great heights, but the rest press on. They locate a rock bird egg, which they could have just wished for a hundred <laughs> feet ago or just wish for a formula. Or just wish for this girl to be bigger. Yep. So many choices. <laughs> wish to be back in Baghdad. <laughs> How you were. Normal. Before you shrank. Sakura recommends pushing forward until they find broken shells of hatched eggs because the first egg they find is not broken yet. This egg has not hatched. It still has a bird in it. And that's going to cause problems. Two of the men claim to be starving and decide to break into this unhatched shell anyway. Immediately, an enormous two-headed bird is breaking out of it, and they fight the hatchling with spears while it programs their image as its mother in its brain. (laughs) (laughs) Mommy, why? (laughs) Of course, it's a two-headed bird, so maybe they each head saw someone different? Oh, maybe. Sakura is upset when the men slay the beast. Sinbad takes a chunk of the eggshell and learns that they'll have to mix the formula here at Sakura's laboratory. Sinbad tells the princess that they have all the ingredients needed for her cure. A genie, a genie, and a genie. (laughs) And rock egg for some reason. He also admits that he doesn't totally trust Sakura. She offers to explore the inside of the lamp and speak with the genie about how to harness his power. She jumps into the spout of the lamp and rides it like a slide down inside. She meets the genie and he mostly complains about living down here and only leaving to perform as a slave. Yeah, even even, uh, Barbara Eden's genie lamp was cooler than this. Yeah, because she had the big cushioned couch in the yeah, middle. Yeah, exactly. Like this is this is literally just a, like a a tin room. Yeah, but I got this weird fountain that spews steam. That's neat. He leads her to an inscription that he believes describes his eventual freedom. When the big that is small shall again become tall, into fiery rock to rise, you must fall. The princess believes she might be the big that is small from the inscription and offers to try to help in exchange for the magic words to summon him. He tells her the phrase. From the land beyond beyond. From the land beyond beyond. Go on. From the world past hope and fear. From the world past hope and fear. I bid you genie now appear. I bid you genie now appear. As the hungry men cook the baby bird they killed, its mother returns to the nest, which they apparently didn't even bother to leave before starting a fire. The bird plucks several more men and drops them to their deaths from the rock wall. Sinbad summons the genie with the magic words. He doesn't even finish the words, though, and drops the lamp. Harufa throws it back to Sinbad, and Sakura stabs Harufa to death just as the bird carries Sinbad up to his nest. Sakura takes the princess prisoner, And hours later, Sinbad awakens in the rock bird's nest. He realizes quickly that the princess is gone, and he calls out to her and the magician. Sinbad summons the genie from the lamp, which Sakura has inexplicably left behind. Yeah. This is the only fucking thing you care about, and you left it with Sinbad and took the princess. What are you doing? It seems obvious he would have collected it from the sleeping man before making his escape, considering what he's just gone through to get it back. He asks the genie where the princess is being kept, and he blatantly tells him. She is a prisoner of the magician in his underground castle at the foot of the mountain trail. I will meet you there. And the genie fades away. But how will I know? And I wanted the genie to fade back in and go, How will you know what, numbnuts? (laughs) I just told you where to fucking go. Meet me there. And then you summon the genie back and say, Take me there magically. Make me there already, and then give me the girl back, the height that she was when I found her. Send me back home to Baghdad yes. with the princess, full height, and put Sakura in the ground ten feet. He can't do that, though. That's harm. Oh. Put a barrier between him and... And any source of water and food. For the rest of his life. It'll be like that scene in freaking Constantine where the guy's trying to drink alcohol. It does nothing. All the oh, liquid God. is just stuck in the bottle. Evaporating. Sinbad follows the clear instructions to the underground cave. Inside, he finds a dragon on a chain, and the genie instructs Sinbad how to free the dragon... Without asking why in God's name he'd want to set this dragon free, 
He sets to work, turning a big wooden wheel and then a second wheel, neither of which makes a significant change to the dragon's position, but maybe it was hard to animate this thing. Well, it, it like it chain... pulls away and then it pulls close, but its feet don't move. It's just his head kind of moves slightly. Yeah, the chain shortens. Yeah. But he has why, less slack. Why would you have the chain the dragon chain shortening device on the outside? No, it's it's uh, there's two wheels. There's one But the first one shortens it. The fir- That's the one closer to the mouth of the cave. The first one no, they they both they they shorten it and then loosen it and then shorten it. Like I think they both do both. And okay. it's just like you just shorten it when you need to run past him, and then you lengthen it again, and then when you come back and you shorten it, and you run past but him, it's and like then you lengthen having it again. A, it's like having a tranquilizer gun on the wall well, he's outside like a, of your house. No, he's like on a door lock, and and you can lock it from either side. But but yeah, but but in this case, the lock, the deadbolt, is on the outside. Like you can unlock the door from outside. Doesn't make a very good lock. It's supposed to be a guard dog. It's supposed to prevent yeah, people from getting inside. But not everybody knows that they need to turn a wheel to stop a dragon from attacking. Maybe that's the point. Sinbad announces his presence to the evil magician by shouting his name repeatedly. Sakura shows the princess a crystal ball with the image of Sinbad's current location inside. In the laboratory, Sinbad finds the princess on a table and demands Sakura restore the princess to her normal size. But, uh, don't you have the lamp and a genie? Sakura says that he will grant Sinbad's only wish in exchange for infinite wishes from a magical genie. I will restore her in exchange for the lamp at once. Why didn't the princess ask the genie to return her to her normal height when she got out of the lamp? Instead, he trades infinite wishes for one wish, and Sakura claims the formula needed is already prepared. But I still have the rock egg, so it's not prepared, <laughs> but it's almost prepared. You only have one ingredient left that you need. Why Why was he telling the truth at all that he needed to make a formula to fix the princess? Like, everything else this guy has said has been a lie. Yeah. And why would you have made the formula for him at all? Like, it should have just it should have just released poison gas. Yeah. He closes the princess into a small, I guess, coffin, you'd call it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he fills it with gas. And then she comes to life. <laughs> now watch me saw her in half first. But when he opens it again, she's full size. As they try to leave the laboratory, they are blocked by a living skeleton, and we infer from a close-up on Sakura's glowing eyes and the marionette puppeteer motions of his hands that he is controlling this skeleton. He commands it to kill Sinbad out loud, (laughs) revealing himself as a villain, and the two engage in a heated sword fight. At one point, the skeleton frisbees his shield across the room and knocks down some shelving so that a taxidermied alligator falls into the scene, which I was like, that's a fun prop for this moment. Even though nothing has been like a creature I recognize on this whole island. Uh, the the score during the whole skeleton fight is nothing but like castanets and xylophones. Yeah. And I think that's the best <laughs> choice you could have ever made. Because it just sounds like rickety bones clacking yeah. against each other. They continue sword fighting up a spiral staircase to nowhere. And when Sinbad tosses the skeleton off the top, the bones clatter to pieces on the floor. This whole fight scene was very popular with audiences and served as a trial run for Harryhausen to figure out the problems of animating a skeleton sword fight for later use in 1963's Jason and the Argonauts, which involves a much more complicated fight between a group of live-action performers and a whole horde of skeleton swordsmen. Well, I mean, skeletons, I think, are... They're basically just armatures. They are, they are but, but there's like, less places to hide you them. You can't hide anything, so yeah. like, it's, a, it's a tricky thing to do. Sakura tries to kidnap the princess again, but Sinbad throws his sword down to pin the magician's arm to a door, and Sakura disappears into his lab. Sinbad and the princess make a run for it, and Sakura watches them escape on his ring-brand crystal ball. As they try to cross a bridge on the way out, he shatters the ball with a mace, and the bridge explodes. The princess summons the genie, and again, he promises only to try to grant their wish to escape. He gives them a rope to clear the gap, and they swing their way over a river of lava. The princess realizes that this magma is the fiery rock from the genie's inscription and that by tossing the lamp into the fires of Mordor, she can free this genie forever. She keeps her promise and drops the lamp in the passing lava. Sinbad winds up the dragon's leash again to clear the path of escape and escorts the princess past the beast out of the cave. I like how Sinbad is at first like, well, the genie's been really useful. But you really should keep your promises. Yeah. I was like, oh, good. Good on He's you. Sticking to his morals. Um, but I also like, I do like the effect of the lamp falling into oh, like, yeah. live footage of lava and the kind of like drifting along with it for and a while. And then sinking into yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I wonder how they got that shot because it does look really cool. It's got to be lit from below. Mm-hmm. It's probably like sand 
being washed over a light or something like well, that. Well, I, th- I think it's actual footage of lava. No, because they drop a metal lamp into it. They, they you think just, they went to a lava flow? No, I would think that they just rotoscoped it yeah. and disappearing. I don't know. It looked pretty real to me. That, that's what I'm saying. It looks really good. Yeah. I thought it was a practical shot that they that they faked some other way than animating stuff, but maybe they did. She keeps her promise and drops the lamp into the passing lava. Sinbad winds up the dragon's leash again to clear the path of escape and escorts the princess past the beast out of the cave. Lucky for them, the dragon does none of its well-established fire breathing as they pass a stone's throw from its mouth. I was really hoping that right outside the cave they would come to a flaming stone and it would say, I am the fiery rock. Give me the lamp and I shall free the genie within. <laughs> and then we just cut to the genie kid screaming with his back against the wall <laughs> as the lamp slowly fills with molten lava. Outside, they come face to face with a second Cyclops. Retreating back into the cave, Sinbad uses his sword to cut some lines and free the dragon to fight the Cyclops on its own. He and the princess sneak past the grappling behemoths toward the ship. This fight was originally supposed to be between two Cyclopses instead of the dragon and the Cyclops. But they couldn't build a second one on schedule and repurposed the dragon model for this fight. The dragon was also supposed to do a lot more fire breathing, but it was prohibitively expensive to animate. The effect of the flames was achieved by getting footage of Harryhausen himself firing a 30 to 40 foot jet from a flamethrower and filming it against a night sky to comp into each shot. The dragon model also repurposed parts of the Ritasaurus from earlier Harryhausen animations for The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. The dragon kills the Cyclops, and Sakura comes running out demanding the dragon follow him and kill Sinbad. It's like, why did you even tie this thing up? It just follows your instructions? That's pretty cool. All of Sinbad's men pull back the enormous arrow of Sakura's crossbow and launch it to impale the dragon, which collapses on top of Sakura, killing the magician. But then the dragon gets back up again and limps to the beach after them, eventually dying on the shore as Sinbad's ship leaves again for Baghdad. Farewell, Kalasa. I'm only sad about one thing. I shall miss Harufa. And I'll never forget our little friend Barani. It's like, first of all, that's two things. <laughs> Barani? Oh, his one wish was to sail the seas with you. You call for Barani? I'm here. Why, it's the genie. <laughs> no longer the genie, Captain, but your cabin boy. And he immediately starts making wishes again, and the kid jumps right into another abusive relationship. And you must prepare my cabin for a feast of celebration. I already have, Captain. I already have. See for yourself. Wow, you're a better genie now than you were when you were a genie. <laughs> Before, you'd be pussyfooting around about it. Well, gee, I guess I could, Captain. I don't know. Let's see. I'll try. Now, does he still have powers? It seems like he does. It also seems like the genie in Aladdin still has powers after yeah. he's freed. Yeah. Because otherwise, I don't know how he got all that right. treasure there. Yeah. Not only has this kid dressed the cabin for a feast, but he's also stored the Cyclops' entire load of treasure on board, which he couldn't have done discreetly past all these criminals unless yeah. he had magical powers. But that's the end of the film, as they realize that he brought the treasure on board. And also, none of these criminals have gone through, the that remain, have gone through like the bonding adventure Right. These are still the criminals who hate Sinbad. Yeah, and want him dead and deserve the treasure more than Sinbad does because he's marrying the Sultan's daughter. Yeah. But all of these stories end with Sinbad returning to Baghdad with a hull full of treasure. I guess they just left the crossbow on the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no reason to bring yeah. it back. Did they kill all the big creatures? Because there's two dead Cyclopses and a dragon that are They didn't kill the, the, the rock bird. The yeah. rock bird, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But they killed its baby. But they could go back to the island, but there's no reason to now because there's yeah. just corpses there. That's a pretty cool lab. Yeah, I bet Sakura's just back in there. He's probably fine. Yeah, Sakura's return somehow. <laughs> was was that a reference to Jafar's return? Uh, it's a reference to a line from uh, Rise of Skywalker where they say Palpatine returned somehow. <laughs> anyway, this is the seventh voyage of Sinbad. I give it a big thumbs up. I love the animation. I think the photography is beautiful all the colors and everything yeah i love the set designs um i think the characters are fun i give it a thumbs up i mean i think there's places that they could have done stuff a little bit better but sure. it's generally all enjoyable um it's a thumbs up for me like I, I think the only things that, that bother me is I mean, just some of the performances sure like they're, they're a little I, I get that some of them are intentionally over the top like i think sakura 
sells it 100%. Yeah. Like Sakura's the 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 bread and butter, but there's a couple characters because this is shot mostly in Spain that are <laughs> completely dubbed over. Like Harufa is completely yeah. dubbed over. Um the the two sultans when they were watching the snake dance and they just go I must be asleep then I share your dream. It's just yeah. like ugh this is just this is it. This is the conversation. Uh but uh but I, I had a good time. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen this. Um, Have you seen the other Columbia Sinbad movies? I, you know, they all blend together. And I think mostly when I think of th- these movies, I, I'm actually thinking of Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, okay. Uh, when I think back. Um, but because I feel like the cl- the the Cyclops is like the most identifiable thing from this. Like, right. That's, that's, the, that's the monster that people remember is the yeah. Cyclops. Because uh, I kind of want to go and check out the Golden Voyage of Sinbad and Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that Eye of the Tiger from that Sinbad title is what inspired the Survivor song that is in the Rocky films, right? I mean, I know the song, but I don't know what inspired it. Okay. Just feel like I don't know what else that would come from. I I mean, maybe someone's imagination, but if the Eye of the Tiger is like something that they need to achieve in that movie, then it makes me think that that's what the Survivor song is a reference to. But who knows? But uh, the Technicolor stuff is great. Like, cause like everything, everything is very, very colorful. And I guess that was kind of a last minute decision on the part of the production. They were prepared and even Harryhausen was prepared to do everything in black and white. And at the last second, they were like, this is going to be Technicolor. And he was like, okay, then I have to make some changes to the way I'm painting these models. Yeah. We need to do some things differently, but okay, let's try it. Yeah. See what Dynamation looks like in color. Yeah, exactly. This, this, this Cyclops is going to be orangish brown and yeah you gotta pick what these things are gonna look like our director here was nathan Duran. before this he did a lot of art direction on titles like how green was my valley the original razor's edge body and soul and harvey immediately prior to this he had directed attack of the 50 foot woman under the name nathan hertz so i'm assuming that was like a visual effects heavy movie that gave him uh some experience to Mm -hmm. use here and later he would write and direct jack the giant killer followed mostly by TV work, including big batches of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Lost in Space, and Daniel Boone. Writer Ken Kolb, this was his first feature script after a run on Have Gun, Will Travel. Later, he writes 10 Dragnets and then mostly short runs on assorted television series. The story here came from Ray Harryhausen. Harryhausen is, of course, a legend in the stop-motion animation and visual effects world. He studied under Willis O'Brien and taught Jim Danforth, which basically takes us from the earliest stop-motion films in our country through to the work of VFX genius Phil Tippett today, who learned from Danforth. So it's like, there's like four guys in total that were like the leaders at different times. God, Phil Tippett. Like... Every time I watch RoboCop and I see just the way Ed 209 moves. It's incredible. I still would love to see, and I know there's test footage available on YouTube, but I don't think it's full budget test footage of the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park that Phil Tippett intended on doing with mm-hmm. the his version of the stop motion animation with the blurs, uh, the motion blur effect. We've seen his work mostly in Clash of the Titans earlier this season, which would become his swan song. He also worked on Golden Voyage of Sinbad, Jason and the Argonauts, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, The Valley of Guanji, One Million Years BC, and one other project that we've seen on the show. Do you guys recall the other project we've seen Ray Harryhausen work in? Uh, is it going to be Trog? It is Trog, which featured footage from Irwin Allen's The Animal World during the caveman hypnotism scenes. The music here is from Bernard Herrmann, probably best known for his collaborations with Hitchcock on titles like Vertigo, North by Northwest, and Psycho. He also composed Citizen Kane, The Ghost and Mrs. Muir, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Cape Fear, Jason and the Argonauts, Fahrenheit 451, and Taxi Driver. Man, the Day the Earth Stood Still score is so great. It's all like, so much of it is theremin-based. Yeah. And and it's just like, that's such a unique sounding instrument, and it fits the movie so well. Yeah, that Gort theme that he has yeah cinematographer here was wilkie cooper he came back to dp jason and the argonauts and one million years bc for the same creative team the editor edwin h bryant cut the original 13 ghosts and 1965's i saw what you did which stars unrelated actors joan and john crawford editor jerome toms also edited 1959's forbidden island which could easily have been the title of this film Kerwin Matthews played Sinbad. He's Dr. Lemuel Gulliver in The Three Worlds of Gulliver. 
Jonathan Standing in The Pirates of Blood River, and the titular Jack in Jack the Giant Killer from the same director. Catherine Grant played Princess Parisa. She was Mary Pallant in Anatomy of a Murder, and the following year she was Princess Yasminda as a voice in Mr. Magoo's animated 1001 Arabian Nights about Magoo's ancient ancestor, Abdul Aziz Magoo. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That sounds like a perfectly accurate name. Richard Ayer played the genie. He was Davy Kane in 38 episodes of Stagecoach West. Sending the actor to Spain, where most of the film was shot, was too expensive for the production, so instead, he has only ever comped into shots with actors on set, except for the lamp interior scene, which was shot on a soundstage in Los Angeles. Torin Thatcher played Sakura the Magician, and he comes back as Pendragon in Jack the Giant Killer to reunite with the Sinbad of this film, and Harold Casket played the Sultan. He was President Sandover Halish in Curse of the Pink Panther. Those are all the credits I had for this one. Yeah, I didn't recognize a lot of the other titles because this is a much earlier film, and I don't know the movies of that era as well. Well, well, and there's also just a lot of Spanish actors. Right, yes, where it's enough old and foreign combination that I, I just don't know it well. I think that's everything for the seventh voyage of Sinbad. Thanks again to Carlos Moda for their generous contribution to the show. If there's any title you'd like us to review, our top Patreon tier includes a custom review of any pre-1980 title. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Letterboxd. Or as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing whatever you choose. We leave you now with a trailer for The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Journey to a magical time when demons and heroes battled for the golden treasures and human spoils of forgotten kingdoms. Kill. Kill him. Thrilled to the story of a legendary superhero who fights through all the torments of hell to save the woman he loves from the world's most powerful sorcerer. This is Sinbad's greatest adventure. The seventh voyage of Sinbad. She was once a beautiful princess. The sadistic magician shrinks her to the size of a tiny doll. And now, Sinbad must do the impossible to save her. He must destroy a legion of hell-spawned monsters on the death-shrouded island of Colossa. See the flashing death of the living skeleton. See the attack of the giant two-headed bird. See the dance of the cobra woman and feel her deadly slithering embrace. See the spectacular battle between the one-eyed cyclops and the fire-breathing dragon. The incredible magic of Dinorama recreates the enchanted, breathtaking adventure that could never be told before. The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad.